The purpose of this podcast is to help you understand the literature search process. It will be based on a couple of textbooks as well as my own work. Specifically, the Research for Advanced Practice Nurses by Matteo and Foreman, uh, Evidence-Based Practice in Nursing and Healthcare by Melnick and Finout Overholt, and my own uh, doctoral capstone project from Chatham University. So beginning the literature search. The literature search is perhaps the most important process in carrying out a scholarly project, such as a thesis, dissertation, or capstone. The literature review consists of four distinct phases. They are preparation and planning, searching the literature, going beyond the literature and expanding the breadth and depth, and then finally synthesizing the literature. Preparation and planning, coming up with a search statement, a research problem or question, or a search term, selecting the database and the strategy are the first steps of the preparation and planning phase of the lit search. As you become more adept at the lit search, you will quickly be able to identify patterns and variations in the process that you can incorporate with ease and confidence over time. It is essential that the right question is posed. Formulating the question is an iterative process. The concept of turning research into practice by reviewing the relevant literature is the foundation of an evidence-based practice. Over time, it can become fully integrated into clinical culture and a professional workflow so that it does become second nature. It is very important to identify the reason for the literature search. Is the purpose of the search to answer a clinical question? Is the purpose of the search to prepare a thesis or to prepare a scholarly work for publication? Is the purpose of your search to conduct a systematic review or merely to satisfy your professional curiosity? There are also several types of literature searches and they each have their own requirements to qualify. Most popularly is the systematic review or the meta-analysis, and generally these require more time and review of more databases than a more selective, limited-in-scope search. Prior to undertaking your review, you must consider with the best sources of information for the question that is needed to be answered. You need to methodically prepare the search strategy in order to prevent distracting detours and rabbit holes that the literature search process can often trigger. Your initial inquiry can be made of a large biomedical database such as Medline in order to familiarize yourself with the relevant search terms and concepts and the way that they are written about in the literature. PubMed is nice because it provides the added benefit of including reference citations as well as the levels of evidence with respect to the hierarchy ranging from the systematic review all the way down to the subjective opinion. Becoming a search expert is a craft that can be developed over time with practice. Search and key questions that must be considered prior to undertaking the literature search include... What is the purpose of the lit search? 
Which resources are best suited for this research? Where can you get help to sift through this? What are the resources available to you? Are you constricted by time? Which bibliographic or citation management tool are you going to utilize? And I recommend you do this very early on. And how will you evaluate the literature you find? When setting out to conduct research, it will be important to define the scope of the planned investigation to help provide clarity, purpose, and direction. It will also be important to figure out how the research topic fits into a related field of knowledge. You will also need to familiarize yourself with the vocabulary associated with the topic or concept. It may be necessary to review background information from a variety of sources, including textbooks, websites, reference lists, and review articles. Also, take a historical perspective in your review, as the same concept may be defined previously using different words. This historical perspective will provide you the insight as to how the field has developed and why the present problem needs to be addressed. Constructing a searchable question is the most crucial step in performing a literature search and completing a scholarly project. I'll share my own with you. PICO, sometimes with a T, sometimes without, P-I-C-O, is an acronym that stands for Patient Population, Intervention, Comparison, Outcome, and when the T is used, it stands for Time. In devising an evidence-based practice change project, the categories require an accurate and thorough description. So P describes the problem and population in whom the intervention will be applied. I describes the main intervention. C describes the comparison, which may be those not receiving the intervention who remain in a treatment-as-usual group. Or it could be compared within the same population prior to and post-implementation. O describes the expected outcome of the intervention group. So, for example, my PICO question guiding the current inquiry would be, does the attitude of the clinician towards evidence-based practice affect the likelihood of adoption of a clinical decision support tool intended to guide clinicians in screening patients with minor brain injuries? the population. The specific population to be utilized would be the healthcare providers practicing in an acute care academic facility in a densely populated urban environment. Healthcare providers consists of interns, residents, attending physicians, nurse practitioners, registered nurses. Currently the practice at this facility has been patients with minor head injuries are indiscriminately receiving CT scans of the head. The most common cause of minor head injury in the hospitalized patient is falls, and there are no formal criteria in place to determine who should receive a CT scan, so clinicians are inclined to do what is customary. So you've identified the population and the problem. The intervention would consist of conducting an attitude assessment towards evidence-based clinical decision support tools in general. And then participants will then be asked to answer four clinical scenario questions regarding patients with minor head injuries based on what they would do at that present time. Next, the clinician will be given an educational presentation regarding an evidence-based practice decision rule to help prudently select the patients that would derive the most benefit from a non-contrast head CT scan. 
this rule, the Canadian CT head rule. Uh, participants will then be asked to answer the same four clinical questions using the tool. And then finally, they will be asked what their likelihood of adoption of the tool would be given various criteria as identified in a tool called the Evidence-Based Practice Attitude Assessment Scale. Comparison uh, for this would be the change in clinical knowledge from baseline and also would there be an increase in likelihood of adoption into clinical practice from baseline. The outcome criteria uh, anticipated first there would be a 50% increase in clinical knowledge uh, regarding the selection of patients with minor head injuries who would benefit from CT scan and secondly uh, the clinicians would identify what are the key criteria necessary to increase the likelihood of adoption of the tool into clinical practice and that information would come from the attitude assessment scores. It has been said that the only person that welcomes changes are wet babies. Well, when attempting to implement an evidence-based practice change project, reducing barriers will be essential. Sometimes these barriers are identified in the literature and other times they are unique to your respective practice environment. Some barriers may include tradition and cultural inertia, a perceived lack of value in the evidence-based project, time constraints, a lack of access to resources, limited search and implementation skills on the behalf of the project manager or researcher, Another barrier oftentimes is the overestimation of difficulties. Further perpetuating these difficulties include uh, missing or inaccessible information, unreliable or untrustworthy information, information that's inconsistent or conflicting, information that's confusing and clouding the decision-making process, as well as noise distracting from the question at hand. And all of this can result in wasted time and further demoralization of the search and change process. It is advised that before undertaking literature review that the researcher spend some time in discovery, planning, and reflection, and then choose the appropriate information to execute a well-formulated search. A criteria to critically appraising the literature and expand your search parameters sorting, storing, and organizing your gathered information throughout the process should also be developed prior to beginning the lit search. This methodology should be articulated as it will be necessary to explain your search methods in the event of a publication. Now, how do you begin this strategy? The most productive search will begin by first surveying systematic reviews and meta-analyses, as they tend to also capture a lot of secondary source information. Additionally, searching practice guidelines will highlight the clinical utility of the information reviewed. Reviewing the reference lists of these reviews will direct you towards the primary literature that informed the synthesis resulting in the review that you are reading. Primary literature sources include uh, individual randomized controlled trials, double blinds, and cohort studies, and case reports, and qualitative and descriptive studies. In conducting this review of the literature, search terms, words, and phrases will become clearer to you. For example, in reviewing cancer, it may be described as a tumor, a malignancy, a neoplasm, a growth, etc. There are many databases ranging from CINAHL to PubMed to Cochrane to DARE to the Allied and Complementary Medicine Database, the ERIC Database and PsycInfo and TRIP Database, etc. 
In addition to these databases, there are National Guideline Clearinghouse and the Agency for the Healthcare Research and Quality, as well as the National Cancer Institute, the National Kidney Foundation. Your book, uh, The Advanced Practice Nurses from Evidence to Practice, the Mateo and Foreman book, uh, review tables 2.2, 2.3, 2.4, and 2.5 for a more complete listing. In performing your literature search, try to locate articles restricted to a certain time frame, say five to ten years, that substantiate a problem or a question in need of an answer exists. And then search out if certain practice guidelines already address the identified problem. Survey your own practice setting to identify barriers to applying an evidence-based practice change and see if the literature also identifies other barriers which you may encounter. I hope you found this podcast to be informative and I wish you continued success.